I love you, Sean. I love you too, man. This is the Tuesday Night Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Alan Girding, and with me is my dearly beloved partner. That's your cue, Sean. Hey, guys. My voice is different now. <laughs> okay. Strange fact about me, number 82. My favorite pen is the Sharpie pen. What's your favorite pen, Sean? The Lamy Safari. The Lamy Safari? Is that a ballpoint pen? It's a uh, fountain pen. Oh, yeah. Use that with your notebook that you carry around with you all the time, yeah? That's right, yeah. Whew, it's fancy schmancy. Hey, we're going to talk about a bunch of things this episode. Mostly, we're going to talk about what's going on, some general announcement of what's coming up. Also, I want to hear what you've been up to, Sean. I know you've been shipping a lot of Necroboomicon, and you can take us through that whole story. But I also want to talk about a couple of games, because... I've been playing a lot of games and haven't been getting to talk about them on this podcast, so I want to talk about at least two. Also, one of the things I'm really excited about in this episode is we're finally going to get to night a knave because we have that knave tonight program where the knaves you the listener can send us your own recording of a gaming story that's personal to you and if it's less than 10 minutes and it's quality we're gonna go ahead publish it and release it and we have our first one in i can't wait to do it excuse me sam do you have the time but of course it be topic time Well, let's just get into talking about some general announcements. We have the tickets for our Gen Con live podcast go up this Sunday, May 28th is when you can get those tickets. It's funny because I was looking at the website, I'm like, man, no one's bought a single ticket. Oh, but then I realized, oh, wait. You can't get a ticket if you wanted to. That made me instantly feel better. But I'm going to Kublai Khan this weekend. What are you doing this coming weekend? I'm probably still shipping a bunch of games out for Necrobumicon. <laughs> Let's talk about your shipping adventures, Sean. Yeah, it's been uh, nice. This has been a new experience for us where we were printing out labels all ourselves, and we were slapping them onto envelopes. My friend Philip convinced me that it would be super easy to do, and it is not. (laughs) It's taken a lot of (laughs) trial and error. In fact, the other day, I actually freaked out at a Fry's employee, which if you don't know, Fry's Electronics is like a, it's like a Best Buy. They have them in a bunch of different cities. We don't have them out here, but I lived in San Diego for a year, and so I remember going to Fry's. It's huge. They're huge. It's like a Walmart almost size, but it's only electronics. The big thing is they staff them entirely with people who dress like they work at NASA and don't know what computers are. So that's like the selling point of Fry's. (laughs) And what happened was we were testing out all these different label printers and label makers to see like what would give us the best results in our envelopes. And so me and a buddy went there to look for some refills for our label printer that we used. So we went to the hardware department. We went to where the computers are and we asked the guy and we said, hey, we've got a label printer. Where can we find refills for that? He said, oh yeah, no problem. I know it sounds weird, but they're actually in software. You know, right down there. If you go down, you know, this lane, you'll you'll make it there. Software. And we say, okay, cool. And we start walking that direction. And I turn to my friend and say, 50-50, this guy's totally wrong. And he's like, oh yeah, for sure. (laughs) 
So we make it to software and we get there and the guy's like, oh yeah, they're right over here, sir. And what he takes me to are label makers. Like if you've ever seen like a file folder with like a little like printed out label on it, right? Yep. They look like miniature typewriters, if I remember correctly. Exactly. Yeah, they print out a tiny one, you snip it. And I said, no, 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 so sorry. I could see how you get confused. We're looking for label printers. We're going to be printing postage, stickers, putting them on envelopes. They're usually like two by three, something like that. He said, oh yeah, actually that's going to be in hardware. <laughs> and we're like, really? Because we just came from there. And he's like, yeah, I know, but that's where it's going to be, man. He said, okay, cool. So we head back to hardware and we say, you know what? Let's just skip the customer service reps. Let's not even talk to them. Let's just look. We'll go down all the aisles in hardware. So we go up and down the aisles in hardware. We look through the printers. We think we see some. We say, no, I, I, I'm really not finding anything. My friend keeps looking and I'm going to go wait at this little kiosk where they have customer service reps and just walk them through exactly what we're looking for and just getting a sense of whether this thing actually exists in the store or not. Right. So we go there and there's a couple people ahead of me in line and there's a couple customer service reps there. One of them heads off with the people. The other one heads off to go do something else. Nobody says like, hey, we'll be right with you. Hey, I'll be right back. This is totally par for the course for fries. And meanwhile, there's like three employees standing right next to the kiosk. You're in the front of the line at this point. You are just standing right at the kiosk. Nobody's there. I'm leaning on it. I'm fiddling with the pens and stuff, looking around. And I make eye contact with one of these guys. And he looks at me and then he goes back to his conversation. They're talking about like pay stubs or something like that. And so I'm thinking, you know what? It's kind of late. It's a weekend. These guys are probably off right now. They're probably not working or they don't work in this section or they don't even, they're not even customer service reps. They're talking to their manager about something. Maybe they're having a meeting. It's about four people over there, three guys and then an older guy. So another guy comes by, swings by the kiosk, picks up like a stapler or something, and then leaves, makes eye contact contact with me and leaves. Doesn't say like, have you been helped or anything like that? Goes over, kicks his foot up and is starts looking, you know, at the other group. And I realize, huh, he's going over and hanging out with them too. Clearly they all work here. And I make eye contact with them again. And then a girl comes up to the kiosk, of course, because girls are way smarter than guys. And she says, I'm sorry, sir, have you been helped? And I say, uh, no, I haven't actually. It's been about five or six minutes by now, maybe 10 minutes. And she looks over to the group and goes, guys and points at me and they go oh uh sorry sir do, do you need anything and i lose it and i go seriously you guys and i think you know me it takes a lot to really push me to that edge where i'm gonna lay into somebody oh man these kids are like 20, 21, and they're like, yeah, uh, sorry, uh, and they all just scatter. They all sort of just like bolt from the group because, you know, it turns out they're just fucking morons and they've been like sitting there hanging out, talking this whole time while I've been waiting. They all scatter. I lay into the kid like, are you serious? Like, I've been waiting here for like 10 minutes. I made eye contact with you. He's like, yeah, I know. And then the older guy comes up, doesn't <laughs> blink at all. No, <laughs> no apology. Just goes, uh, yeah, so uh, what can we do for you, man? So it's like, okay. So I explain the situation to him. And what does he say? He says, oh yeah, you'll find those in software. <laughs> so we just, we just get the fuck out. We're just like, all right, cool. This is totally useless. We've wasted an hour of our life. Always a good reminder. The retail industry is going through historic culling right now. Employees are being laid off everywhere. It's awful. If you work in retail, I feel very sorry for you. But for fries, it's one of those things. It's like, this is why I use Amazon. Yeah, I will have 20 packs of these labels here tomorrow. I was just seeing if you'd have it tonight. 
and you don't. The one thing that you're supposed to do. And you can't even tell me if you do have it or not. Long story, but wow, that sums up the Necrobimicon shipping experience. How's the actual shipping going? So you have labels now, you're slapping them on, they're getting mm-hmm. out, and you have a crew working with you? Yeah, I got all my sort of D&D buddies together on our typical Monday night, and we powered through 2,500, 3,000 packages in five hours. Nice. Yeah, it's about 80 to 90% of our customers, which is great. And now I'm doing the part, if you ordered six copies, you live in Singapore, I gotta like get a new envelope, print out a new label, weigh it, you know, print out the custom postage. Right. I gotta go through and sign all the terms of the booms that you've signed. Those get their own box. Don't forget to sign them too. Absolutely, yeah. Here's the big question. Is it worth it? Because normally we do fulfillment where we have the game shipped to a fulfillment center and they handle it entirely. Now it's you and your D&D crew slapping these labels on and getting them out of there. Now obviously that's saving us some scratch on the front end, but is it worth it? in the long run. I've been having this conversation with the friend who recommended it to me and he kind of like needs to be right because he sort of convinced me to do this. And I told him the other day, I said, I probably wouldn't do this again. And he said, no, no, you should. It saves you so much money. And I said, right, well, like you're not me. And so you don't get to choose what's worth my time and energy or not. Classic example. I will always pay to have my oil changed because I don't enjoy changing my own oil and it takes less than 20 minutes for 30 to 50 bucks. Totally worth it. Right. Totally worth it. So I could see how in the future we may do something like this again because it just wasn't cost effective to ship on Amazon. And ultimately, I would like us to have a warehouse where we're shipping out our own games. In terms of life decisions, it's just way easier to use Amazon. But, you know, to save some scratch, like I'm not above doing it again, but I wouldn't choose to do it just for fun. We'll know how it goes once we get some feedback because how many mistakes do you think you guys have made, you and your D&D crew? I've only had one package returned to us. It was so funny. Some of these D&D guys were drunk or high or whatever. (laughs) One of them got there really late. I didn't even really invite her, but she's, you know, like a roommate of my friend. And, you know, we're friends, but I just haven't seen her in a while. And so we're slapping labels on, we're talking. She looks up and she goes, man, Sean, how long have we been doing this? And I said, uh, you've been here less than an hour. (laughs) So not very long. We've been doing this for five hours. You've been here for about 53 minutes. (laughs) But thank you for your service. We appreciate your time. Yeah. That is totally unpaid. But so far, I've only had one return to us, and it just, it was a label that was totally misprinted. It was nobody on my crew's fault. It was just funny because so many of them asked really nitpicky questions like, hey, the last digit of such and such is like cut off, and it's on the second label. Should I worry? And I was like, no. And then, of course, I get one where like the entire address is unreadable, and it's like, you guys couldn't have caught this one? <laughs> Ah, so you play games with these D&D guys. Have you played any games with them since then? Or are you guys still in getting the shit out mode? We've just been in shipping mode. We've playtested a couple RPGs I've been working on in the last like few oh. weeks, which has been really fun. But I think they want to get back to, you know how it is with playtesters, especially when they're your like, friends. It's like you can only push them so far. Yeah, we had a whole episode about how you have to be careful with your playtesters and not abuse them and the difference between playtesters and developing. Yeah, so I'm with you. What about you? Have you played any? Yeah, let's get into it. Let's get into some table talk. I've been playing a crap ton of games that I haven't been able to talk about, so I have a huge list. I had a gaming retreat I went to, my local gaming community down here called Boga, the board gamers of Greater Akron, have a retreat every year, and actually been kind of talking to the leader dudes 
of the BOGA retreat and seeing if we can kind of combine forces. So maybe next year it can be an official Tuesday night games retreat. <laughs> so it's just this campground where you go in, you have a cabin, bunk beds, but then there's just large community areas. Everyone's just playing games. Just think of it as like BGG con, but instead of a hotel, it's a campground. And there was one game that stood out above all others that everyone seemed to like because they had a really high player count and it worked really well. You ready for this? Hit me. Mythos Tales. And do you know Mythos Tales? I've heard of it. It's from our friend Jason Maxwell's company. Yeah. It's Eight Summits Games. And it's basically the Cthulhu version of Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. Oh, really? Yeah. You want me to give you the pitch? Hit me. All right. Well, give me a character. I'll be a character explaining this. Okay. You are Cthulhu. Okay. There you go. All right, cool. All right, I'm Cthulhu, and I'm going to explain Mythos Tales as the Elder God Cthulhu. Hey, I'm Cthulhu. I didn't even realize I had a mouth or even a voice box, but I do. And I'm here to tell you all about Mythos Tales. You know what it's like? It's like those choose-your-own-adventure books. You remember those? Where it would give you some kind of dilemma, but you had to make a decision. Do you turn to page 69 or do you turn to page 13? Well, instead of turning a page, you have to investigate. So you have this phone book full of locations, a map full of locations, and you're go-to helpers. So when you're faced with a mysterious murder, a decapitation, bodies are found without any blood in them, do you go ahead and go to the morgue to examine the body? Or do you go to the cafe to ask the local spinster what she's seen around because she sees everything? Yeah! And you work together so you can work alone or you can play with like nine people deciding where you're gonna go next trying to solve the mystery. That was a good Cthulhu impression. Thanks. I mean, how do you do a Cthulhu impression? You tell me. I mean, were you expecting something like... <laughs> for just a minute yeah. straight. <laughs> That's what I was hoping for. Anyway, it's amazing. You'll love it. I can't wait to play it with you because we did one mission after another after another. Now, it has some severe faults to it, but I think they're easily overlooked for the amount of unforgettable experiences that you have. Questions, Sean? Yeah, what are the severe faults? <laughs> okay, severe faults. For instance, first mission, right away, it gives you this premise, and I'm not gonna plot spoil it all, I'll tell you what the first mission is. There's a woman who's bloodied and injured, and she's screaming crazy things like, The trees are alive! The trees are alive! What the hell is going on? So you have to investigate why she thinks the trees are alive. So you have to go around and piece together the information. Main fault. There is a location listed in the book that is not listed anywhere else. So for instance, let's suppose you wanna go to the morgue. You look in the phone book and you find out where the morgue is located and that's how the game works. So in Choose Your Own Adventure where you turn to page 69 if you choose to go deeper into the dungeon or 13 if you turn around, instead in this, I'm going to the morgue, where's the morgue? Well, it's in the downtown district and it's 19, D19. So then you turn to D19 for this mystery and it tells you what you find in the morgue. Anyway, at the end, you compare what you did with what Professor 
Armitage did, which is like the equivalent of a Cthulhu Sherlock Holmes. So in Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective, which is pretty much the exact same game, except totally different theme, you compare how you did to Sherlock Holmes. Well, we looked at Armitage's path and this dude went somewhere. We're like, how, what is this place? And there's no reference to it anywhere. It's not in the maps. It's not in the phone book. It's just this mysterious location that they've made up. So it's a typo, basically. So there's typos. Or is it? Yeah, uh, it's funny too, because it was a good thing we didn't go there because we would have lost a sanity point because you tally up points. Basically, when you're done, you turn to the last page of the adventure and it has a list of questions and you simply answer the questions, getting points for your answers. And you lose points for spending too much time not knowing answers or going crazy. We would have lost some points from going crazy if we had gone to this location, which was impossible to go to anyways. I'll give you another probably better example. In, I believe it was the third mission, we're tr tracking down this one gentleman who loves to frequent the cafe because he drinks coffee. And someone says he likes to go to the place that's off of Main Street. So we look at the map and we look in the phone book and we're like, okay, there's only like one cafe on Main Street. We go there, dead end, nothing. Meaning we lost points. We're like, what the fuck, man? Like this led us down this rabbit hole going after this guy for more information. We think he's at work. You go to work. He's like, well, he's not at work. He's at home. So we go to his home and they say, no, he's not here. He likes to go to the cafe for coffee. We're like, fuck, man, we're going to all these places. Let's go to the cafe. Where the hell is it? Look it up. Go to the cafe, nothing's there, because he was at the cafeteria, which I think there's a difference between a cafe and a cafeteria, so it's just like a crapshoot. We went to the wrong restaurant. Anyway, little things like that kind of piss off the players, but I think it's really outweighed by the immersion and the fact that we play with nine players, everyone's taking notes, everyone's saying, I think this is going on, I think this is going on. It's amazing. Some people have crazy ideas, other people are dead on. It's brilliant. I love it. You'll love it too. I look forward to playing with you. We'll totally play when we see each other again. Awesome. Sounds great. I'm excited about your role-playing games, man. Thank you. It's been nice. I'm hoping to do some playtesting at Origins with group to see what works and what doesn't work. Yeah. Do you want to talk about Mothership? Yeah, if you haven't heard, you can go to my Twitter at Sean McCoy and the pinned tweet there will give you a link to a little micro RPG called Mothership. It's adorable. Which... It's cool. Your own <laughs> art. It's amazing. You could put it in your wallet. It's basically meant to simulate games like... Ooh, here we go. It's basically meant to simulate games like... You're a spaceman. Aliens. I'm a spaceman. Uh, it's basically meant to simulate games like Aliens or Space Hulk or Event Horizon. It's sci-fi horror or like Dead Space, you know? But you're scared, Sean. You're scared. Uh, uh, it's very minimal. Uh, so minimal, I don't even know if it'll work. That's mostly what's scary. But I'm looking for playtesters right now who could send me some feedback. There's even a little two-page mission in there. <sighs> Can I go? Nice. So anyone who's listening to this can just download it right now if they find you on Twitter and give it a try and give us some feedback. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, where should they send the feedback? They should send it to Sean at TuesdayNightGames.com. Hey, Sean, let's stop talking about games. Are you ready to knight our first knave? I don't know. Do we decide whether we knight them or not? Or do they, they get knighted whether they did a good job or not? I think here's the thing. 
you send in the audio as a listener, and if it's good enough, I'll publish it on an episode, and that in of itself is evidence that it was good enough to make it. Because if it's crap, I don't think we'd share it, because that would be really mean-spirited, be like, listen to this guy's horrible story. No way are we knighting him. So yeah, we're gonna knight someone. Sweet, I'm ready. I think it's really appropriate that our first knave that we're gonna knight is Byron Morgan, because you've heard me talk about Byron off the show before, right? This is like our unofficial intern. You know what I'm talking about, Sean? Absolutely. He listens to every episode, and he actually leaves show notes, links to every single game we talk about in Board Game Geek, because our episodes are also posted in Board Game Geek. So if you check out Tuesday Night Podcast in Board Game Geek, you'll see Byron's notes and links. Anyway, so of course, he's the first one to send in his Knave Tonight audio. You ready, Sean? Hit me. If you haven't heard this, you'll be able to react to it and let me know what you think of this story. Here we go. Just relax, Sean, and listen. Don't tell me what to do. Let me tell you about my dad. He was born in Centerville, New York, which is a small farm town about an hour and a half south of Buffalo. He grew up on a farm, waking up at 4.30 every morning to milk cows, then went to work or school. He served in the army at Fort Bragg, didn't see any uh, wartime shenanigans, but he was really committed to it and had a lot of memories from there. He worked at Fisher Price after he got out of the army and did a bunch of factory work for his whole life. He loves hunting and shooting clay pigeons. He watches gun smoke every day religiously. He also loves Ticket to Ride. Wait a minute. Something there not really fit into your stereotypical gamer? He's not really into board games, but he's obsessed with Ticket to Ride. I got into board games a couple years ago, and Ticket to Ride was definitely one of my first games that I picked up. Saw it on tabletop with Will Wheaton, and decided to share it with my family one Christmas. My dad loved it instantly. He was obsessed with it, loved playing it, loved the idea of it, got it instantly, which is hard for him because he's about 70 years old so he doesn't get hard games, but Ticket to Ride was right up his alley. For their 28th wedding anniversary, I bought my parents a copy of Ticket to Ride because they loved it so much. And they embarked on a little bit of a journey where they wanted to play a thousand games in one year. A thousand plays of a game. I can't even imagine that. I think one of my most played games is still only about 50 games, and it happens to be Ticket to Ride because my parents play it all the time. They didn't quite hit that goal. The most recent that I've seen them is that they've played almost 1,100 games in two years. 1,100 games. That's not a mistake. That's a real number. My dad keeps track every single game that they play together. Date score how many good tickets they've completed it's kind of obsessive almost but it's endearing i play a ton of games i have a lot of games and no matter what games i bring over no matter how much fun we have playing them nothing beats ticket to ride for my dad my experience with ticket to ride is a love-hate relationship. I'm very into playing a bunch of different games, you know, cleansing my palate and trying something new. But Ticket to Ride is something that I play at least a few times a week. I think I have over 50 recorded plays of Ticket to Ride and no other game even comes close to that. 
Ticket to Ride is definitely not my favorite game, but it has the best memories. And I think sometimes with tabletop gaming, it's not about the game you're playing, but more the people that you're with. I've gotten to play 50 or more games with my dad, even at a half an hour a game. That's 25 hours that I've spent at the table with my mom and dad. That's 25 hours more than I got to spend with them instead of sitting in front of a TV or sleeping or taking a nap. Anything is better than that. So I love that I get to spend this time with my dad. He is really obsessed with Ticket to Ride. He knows every route, every color of the trains that you need to get from New York to LA. He knows every ticket that you can draw and what are the best scores that he's ever had. Again, like I said before, he keeps a book of every single score he has. And every time I come over, I have to see it. It's the first thing I'm handed when I walk in the door. Hey, look at the score that your mom had. Can you believe she didn't complete her routes? She scored six points. It's hilarious. It's endearing. I love every second about it. Last year for Christmas, I got him the 10th anniversary edition of it, and it's a gorgeous rendition of the game. You have individually sculpted trains. You have a bigger board. It's updated and great. And I never get to play it because my dad only pulls it out for special occasions. Apparently when I come over, it's not special enough. I really hope that someday I can find a game that I love, like my dad loves that game. No game that I even own could I play a thousand times in two years and not get sick of. But seeing him find something in his life that he is completely satisfied with and loves, that means the world to me. And I'll keep coming over and playing it two or three times every time I'm over. Just so I can get in there and go from New York to L.A. and hopefully beat him. Even though he's a shark at it. But that's my dad. A 72-year-old retired Army veteran who worked at Fisher-Price. Who loves hunting and plays thousands of games of Ticket to Ride. What'd you think, Sean? Well, I was nervous that his dad was going to die in that story. The music is so ridiculously sad. <laughs> it is really sad. I, I, it was. It's touching, though. Yeah, it's a great story. It is a really great story. I, I definitely, can't think of any games that... <laughs> go, please. Yeah, the only games I could think of that I could play that much would be like Go and D&D. But I think it really brings up something that we've talked about on the show before, which is that in the industry, we buy so many games, so many new oh, games, yeah. right? And we oh, don't yeah. really drill down. Guilty into games that we would love to play. And whenever anybody talks about games they've played a lot, it's always in their past. It's always like, when I was in high school, we played Risk every day. You know, when I was in college, we played this game every day. And it was a lot because you had the free time and no money, right? But it's becoming this huge problem. Everybody buys the new game and nobody has a game that they love that much. You caused a panic attack with me because you asked me one time, if I had a fire in my basement where I have my thousands of games, what games would I save? Name the 10 you'd save. And I couldn't. Not because I wanted them all, but I could only name like four. So right off the cuff, Sean, if you can name one game that you play the most of that you aren't getting sick of, which one do you think it would be for you? It would probably be Plato 3000. 3000. Yep, Plato 3000. Yes. <laughs> if if I've thought about the fire scenario, me and my girlfriend live in a tiny little one bedroom apartment, and the only game that I thought of that I would definitely grab would be um, a copy of original White Box Dungeons and Dragons. Ooh. 
Yeah, role playing games are on another little tier. But sorry, oh, keep going. Absolutely, no. It's just it's like a it's like an artifact. It's it's a deeply flawed game. It's so hard to like read the rule books, but like the smell, the feel of it, knowing like this was the beginning of a huge change in gaming history. I just love pouring over those little rule books, so I know and you know it's and it's valuable, obviously. If it wasn't Play-Doh 3000, because I could play it with Lindsay all the time, that would be the game I'd go back in and save. I think that's a romantic thing about Byron's story, though, is that his father has one freaking game, and that's yeah. it, and he loves it. So, definitely night-worthy, am I right? Absolutely. That's a great standard. I hope people keep sending in audio because I know there are great stories out there. And Byron did a great job. Oh, he does amazing stuff. He's messaging me on Facebook and we talk. He's always asking like, what else can I do? What else can I do? He's great. I really appreciate Byron more than I can express. So yeah, we have some coming in. So please, if you're listening to this and you have anything at all, send it in. I know it could probably be intimidating after hearing Byron's, but yeah, man. They don't all have to be deep. Yeah, they can be funny. They can be silly. I'm excited. They can just be like, hey, here's the thing that happened the other day. <laughs> They're not all world-shattering, record-breaking yeah. stories. Just send us in anything. Full disclosure, I was the one who edited in the music, and I was worried which music do I put in there to emanate what type of feel for it, and maybe I did a disservice with the sad music. I just thought it had a really evoking feel that it just matched. Well, we should just knight Byron, so... Congratulations, Sir Byron Morgan of the Tuesday Night Gaming Table. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'm rambling. We're out of time. Sean, where do they get you? You can find me on Twitter at, at Sean McCoy, and you can download the Mothership beta there too. You can Twitter us, the company Tuesday Night Games, at PlayTKG. Write us an email. Send us in your Nave Tonight audio podcast at TuesdayNightGames.com. I'm Alan Gerding, A-L-A-N-G-E-R-Ding. I'm on the Facebook, and I'm at the tweets, at Alan Gerding. And I think with that being said, Sean, this episode is... It's... Finished. <laughs> 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 Cthulhu thing in there. I love this song. <laughs>